Rinpoche, thank you for giving us this second interview. We have some follow-up questions uh, based on some of your replies. Mm -hmm. uh, specifically, in this documentary, uh, The Law of Silence, uh, it was actually quite shocking to see many photos of very respected lamas like Devo Kensi Rinpoche and Dujan Rinpoche with Robert Spatz hearing that they visited his centers, gave teachings there, and by doing so, basically, they legitimized him and made it able to continue. And so from a practitioner's perspective, it seems like either these great lamas, um, either they didn't know, or they did know, and they ignored it. And both are actually really disturbing when you want to think that these people are wiser than you and that's why you're following them mm -hmm. so i was wondering if you could speak to that yeah it's always so difficult to sort of recount things and because also i don't know how the people really hear it people might hear it as you know i'm trying to be um, defensive bringing issues but you know as i said in the earlier interview it's really difficult like let's begin with the more what you call it you know, we Buddhists have, have this all. The lamas are omniscient. They should know, right? So why didn't they know this? That's one argument. That to me is kind of easy to answer. Because, you know, this is all hypothetical. What do you call it? Hypothesis? Hi hypothetical? Yeah. Hypothesis. Hypothesis. Yeah. Hypothesis, right? Story. It could be. It could be, right? Mm. So what I'm saying is because of their omniscience, one could always say that. That it it became only this much. It could get worse. You understand? You know, it could get really worse. Mm -hmm. There's are so many different ways to answer these things. Also, yes, I, I buy that maybe they didn't know. That maybe is easiest, one of the easiest. But also, I'm, you know, ready to accept that um, they know. But I don't know what ignore is the right word. But, you know, you have to, you know, life is like this. You know, you have to really look at all situations, right? Um, you know, it's like there's a saying in Tibet. There's actually an example. I don't know, but I've said this in the earlier interview. There was a father sleeping, resting peacefully. And then there's a sun nearby mm -hmm. and then the sun saw a fly 
covering around the father's face. And then son thought, oh, no, that's, you know, really disturbing my father's, what do you call it, rest. He had an axe, so he aimed at the, uh, what is it, a fly, of course, ended up killing the father. So there's a lot of these kind of things. But, okay, let me tell you about a personal thing. It's really complicated. Um, because we could also say about you guys, about a lot of the people whom we these days so-called trust, they look harmless. They don't seem to be doing anything fishy, you know? But who knows what they will do? I will tell you about this what Robert Pats. I have met him. Mm. Now, at the sound of being so smart, you know, I have personally never really, I've always thought this guy is a bit strange. Um, but, you know, all these, you know, what do you call it? Uh, Sexual abuse, all of this, I don't know whether this is true with you guys, with the uh, rest of the world, but it is sort of new phenomena, isn't it? It wasn't, it, it did such kind, oh no, of course, the sexual abuse exists from the time immemorial. But what I'm saying is hyping it up and talking about it. Talking about it is kind of new thing, right? Mm. Isn't it? Even in the best? Well, as far as understanding it as harmful and yes. talking about it and yes. trying to stop I'm not it. saying it's not no. right. I think it's good. People should talk about it. Mm. And I'm sure there are a lot of things to talk about, you know. But what I'm saying is, you know, as far as I remember, we we have never really heard about him and the sexual but it was related, especially with the kids at that time. The only image we got, and especially people a little skeptical like myself, here's this man who really helped the Tibetan core. Let's say Tibetan cause, Dharma sponsors, you know, Medicare, all of that. So we, we know that. But then there's, and there's also this, this, he appears to be sort of really interested in uh, appearing himself as a spiritual leader. This is always uh, taken, even today, maybe more so now than before, because of what has been happening. It has always been a little bit okay, so what is happening here? Something is not right. You know, there's that kind of conversation. You, you have to also look at the situation. We are talking about like 60 years ago, 50 years ago, dire situation. So here is a bunch of Tibetans who really think that their dharma, their culture is 
about to extinct, right? About to diminish, about to disappear. So any kind of help, it doesn't matter where it comes from. Yeah, we human beings tend to. And we have a lot of examples like that, not only on the spiritual world. We have a lot of, you know, examples like this in the political world where you help so-and-so freedom fighter, then, then, you know, they end up becoming terrorists, you know? Mm. This is what human beings do. This is sort of, I think, you know, I'm, I'm just, okay, I'm sure people will hear, I'm telling all these convoluted stories, but yes, it is a convoluted story because this kind of convoluted situation, I mean, you can argue with me, you can, it's very difficult. If there was this kind of conversation, like he was sexually abusing kids, and if the, if that is a, as a bigger matter as today, I'm sure the Tibetan lamas would be much more cleverer to, you know, to sort of at least stay further. I'm sure. I don't know whether I'm answering your questions, but, you know, yeah, tell me. I, I mean, I think it's still, the issue is, is I could accept that, okay, this is a human mistake, but also in Tibetan Buddhism, we're being asked to see these gurus as something not just, not just human yeah. as part of our practice, yeah. especially if you're a Vajrayana practitioner. Sure. And, and, you know, and then the fact of it is, is that them being there and giving teachings and giving empowerments and basically being at the center. Who are we talking about? Who's they? You mean Robert Batts? Uh, yeah, Robert, Robert Batts. And then seeing, yeah, yeah. like, Dilgo Kensi visit there. I actually don't know whether he was doing that when these guys are alive. I have a little bit, you know, one could actually analyze it. See, mm. I don't know. You know, there's a saying in Tibetan, when the cat's gone, the rats, the mouses, they dance. It's a bit about that. I don't actually remember them doing all this level. But I have to say, he was sort of wearing a little bit of different color. He had all this all over coming in. There were a lot of people who talked positive about him, but that could be anything that like, that could be because of his financial support. That could be also, you know, people also like people. It doesn't have to be always financial. Mm. He could be very creative. He could be actually for a particular person. He could appear and maybe even think. Um, so, so how, like, if you have devotion to someone like Dilgo Kensar Rinpoche and Dujum Rinpoche, but then really it just looks like they made like a big mistake. Kim? No, Dilgo Kensar Rinpoche and Dujum Rinpoche, that they, right. they made a big mistake by basically empowering him. Empowering him. Okay. Then how, you know, how mm. can, how can a student, yeah. you know, continue? I understand. Yeah, like a, like a dire mistake, like a mistake that yeah. down the line it really like, Led to, it sounds like, a lot of harm. 
as I said earlier, I don't know. You see, that's a very difficult one. I know it sounds like an excuse, but have they done a mistake? If not that, maybe there's other situation that is much more dire. You see, that's how I would end up seeing. What? Okay. So let's say, so this is what I'm saying. Okay. This is really, I'm sure it will sound like an excuse. Here is this precious Dharma. Need to be preserved. What you need is some support, material support, right? So that's happening. And with this, maybe they can build monastery, they can build institutes, they can train lamas. So there's this much profit, okay? But we have to also, maybe they know that this man will end up doing something like this. So. You, what do you call it? Way. That could happen. That's what I'm saying. So it's very difficult on the human level. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, I do. I, I, or you are not convinced? Uh, <laughs> I think it's, it's convincing if one thinks that basically it's, it's better to harm humans than it is to harm the Dharma. No, I will yeah. tell you what. It's like this. These lamas, this is one thing I can be very confidently I can tell you. These lamas have never been happy giving the tantric teachings. That's one thing for sure. It's almost like very reluctant. You could almost, if you listen to their teachings, at least again and again, they sort of brood, they express a lot of what you call a brooding. I shouldn't be doing this, but you know, the time is like that. You know, the proper way is not this, not at this. They do so much. So there is a sense of urgency. There's a sense of reluctance. There's a sense of, okay, so we have reached to a level where you have to negotiate, sort of. That there is a law, I have to say. That I alone have heard the law. Like, you know, actually, Jabhi Chanzin was even cried. This I remember in Nepal. Like, saying that, you know, the time has become so degenerated. No one appreciates. No one really does things properly. Not only said in his writings, there are so many of that, so many. So, so it's like, I guess, you know, we have to also think from this. Okay. What I'm, okay, another angle. If they use their wisdom mind that knows this and such problem will come, it's almost like they would never teach. If the decision has to be made based on there will be a problem, right? Mm. So based on that, if they had to decide not to teach, then I would say they will end up not teaching, which, which is supposedly going to happen anyway. There could be a time where Tantara will no more be taught because no one would understand so on and so forth. 
So we have reached to this age where you have to give in a little bit. Must be. If one downfall, for the sake of one downfall, if the lamas can't do their teachings or whatever, whatever, forget it. None of this teaching will happen, ever. That's what I'm, yeah. One, what, what, what well, then, Rinpoche, I was, I was going to ask that question about, you know, the, the, mass, the, the student needs to examine the teacher, the teacher also has to examine the student. So then this, this comes to that then, right? Is it, is it so compromised that they don't spend, even these great masters themselves are not saying what they're telling us to do? You know, study the master, master studies the students. Did they not study him? This is the thing. Actually, it's in the tantric text. Our tantric master have said so. I have alone for taught like this. It cannot. Tantra should not be taught like this. But if you look at the history of Tantra, I mean, like, we are talking about people like Sarah and Naropa. They are really accomplished scholars. And how they learned Tantra was like really, really utmost secrecy. So I guess, you know, we talk about the time of degeneration. I think these are sort of the character of degeneration. So when we scale down, Okay, um, this may be a really bad example, but I mean, everything is like literature, English literature, movies. If you really want to show a good movie, how many people are going to watch? So you have to throw in spice, which actually kills good movies. So that's how that. So it's, it's a dilemma. There is a dilemma of the tantric, you know, strictly from the tantric point of view, you teach properly like this. But should we now adopt that? Then tantra will die. So we have to solve a problem. Okay, we are going to do this. We are going to take the risk. Maybe if I do that to 100, maybe I will get two, three proper tantric students. And that's worth it. Yes, that's exactly how the lamas think. I know this. This is what they always say. We are going to do this. We might get one or two. And they do. By the way, you know, so along that line, which has so many, many students, not everyone, and even by proportion, we are talking about like one or two people who ended up becoming like this. Which, by the way, you know, I'm also hearing it as a, what do you call it, second, you know, but because all this is uh, somebody's saying this and we are quoting and I'm, I believe that this is what happened. These Ramas, these they have so many students, even me, at the risk of being very humble. You know, I teach to a lot of people, you should say, you know, by proportion, 
You know, the majority of my students are okay. I'm sure some of them misbehave. So then what do we do now? For the sake of this few, do we forsake? See, stuff like this, we need to think a lot. Yeah. So actually, Tantra really should not be taught like this. But if we do, then there is a tantric way, and people should really do that. Who does? But that applies with everything. Socialism, communism, democracy. So many of Americans actually understand democracy. How many? They are basically giving vote to somebody who is charming, somebody who is good at talking, somebody who will give you money. This is how life is. <laughs> Don't you think? But then I'm I'm just thinking about, you know, a practitioner who maybe they've invested, like, a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of their life, like a huge part of their life. Are you talking about the teacher or are you talking about the student? I'm talking about a student who's, who's just invested, you yeah. know, and maybe they're listening to this. And for the first time, they're hearing that the teachers actually don't expect... You, you know how and yeah, if they have done it, good job. If they've done um, invest their time and energy, especially if they invest their time and energy in studying such a tantric view, this kind of thing would never even blink their eyes. You see, this is the thing. But what about people that basically feel like they've made a mistake? You know, how, what would you, what should they do? Like, what, sh what should they do? What should they do? I mean, once they feel like this, yeah. go back and study Tantra, Tantric view. They should really, because it's amazing. It's wonderful. It's an, it's a personal adventure. I mean, you can always just have, be happy yourself, like climbing a rolling English. Hills, <laughs> you know, you can gain some satisfaction out of that. But if you want to climb Mount Everest, if that is the, you know, adventure that you decided to take upon yourself, it has its profit. But a lot of people who entered Tantra, actually, they didn't, they didn't decide to climb Mount Everest. They were like, informed ahead of time, Rinpoche. There's very little, you know, when you talk about Samaya, for example, when you talk about receiving vows in an empowerment, how many of those texts are published in English? Yeah. You're reciting things in Tibetan that yeah, you don't understand. I, yeah. Again, I go back. This is why Tantri should never be taught like this. But it is. Yeah. Yes. And it has been already. Yes. And a lot of people are ensnared now, and a lot of people don't yes. know what they need to do. There Actually, like, okay, even here, there's so many angles. I actually don't know whether the Lamas are even teaching Tantra anymore. It may be referred as a Tantra. It may have a little bit of a Tantric image floating around. I will be in trouble saying this, but I don't actually know many of the younger generation Lamas. They even, they themselves know Tantra. You see, this is the problem. Tantra is in demand. 
Okay, so here today I have three items to sell. Especially if I go to Byron Bay or you know like Woodstock. I have Charvakayana, I have Mahayana and I have a Vajrayana. Most of the people will just choose this. Drop 10, you know. <laughs> you understand? They choose themselves. Well, as I say this, it may sound like negative, but you know, this should be also taken in with a lot of empathy. Yes, this may be because of advertisement that they read in a coffee shop, but you know, there's a something kind of magical about it. This is also the proof of the existence of karma. Why would some dude in Slovakia or somewhere in, you know, like uh, Halifax be interested in Tantra with some six arms? Especially people who grow up in Anglo-Saxon culture, you know, Catholic, Protestant culture. This thing looks like a Satan, but yet they are attracted to it. So things like this need to be also, what do you call it? So then, Rinpoche, what I hear you saying is that then isn't this more now on the lamas to come now and make these changes so that the students better understand what they're getting themselves into? Yes, yeah. sure, yeah. But you know, okay, it's like this. Lamas should, in theory, in theory, lamas actually, in theory, is a bit like this. A democracy should be taught to every voter before they vote. Really test, do they know what, what it means? And then they vote, right, in theory. But in practice, today, if you ask me, how would I do it? Would I do it? According to the book, analyze the student for 12 years, let the student analyze me for 12 years, etc., etc. I don't know. Because I will also think about something like, you know, you know, I'm brainwashed by thinking, oh, okay, he is fortunate that he has an inclination towards mantra. So I will, yeah. According to the text, he is supposed to, you know, analyze me 12 years. I'm supposed to analyze him 12 years. But also, there's a lot of, lot of, there's a lot of elements here. Also, come to think about it, I'm not daring enough as a tantric master. Wow. To be a tantric master, you have to be daring. So daring. That this, you you should not be caring about your reputation at all. If you encounter somebody who really don't care a bit about their gain, their loss, their reputation, I think you should trust him or her. Wow, that is your lucky day. It is most of the lamas, most of the tantric masters like myself. We care so much about our reputation. More likely, we will not be doing all this hanky-panky stuff, not because we are so compassionate and kind, and, but just because we don't want to be, you know, seeing next day on our social media, oh, the also cancer has this and that. I'm paranoid. 
say someone's faith in the whole thing is actually really hanging by a thread and they're just sick of all of this. I think this, especially what is, you know, that document, these are good. I hope there's more. This is what will test tantric masters and the students. I don't think it's bleak. I think it's really good. Then, then Rinpoche, moving on, then how how should someone who has Samaya, for example, with one of these masters who, you know, end up getting caught and, you know, and their reputation is ruined, how should they deal with this fact now? Let's say you have encountered a guru who is selfish, who really abuses you financially, sexually, physically, yep. emotionally. Yep. And then you realize he's not the right person. Oh, the tantra has a whole procedure of how to sort of stay away from this person. You should follow that. Where does one what? learn about that procedure? Well, in, it's in the tantric text. Which is tantric text? Where? So many. Hmm. In the Guha Samaja Tantra. I think there's so many. But then if you're a serious... Actually, you know, this is a good question you ask. Because this is, you see, this thing is very good. I want to say this to a lot of Tibetan. Actually, monks also can give up their role. I mean, their vow. By doing so, actually, they can retake it. But that, that part, retake, let's say you, mm-hmm. you, you are yes. monk, and you offer your vow back. Yes. And we are talking about, you know, Vinaya. So after one or two months, you think, oh, no, I made a mistake. I want to recheck. You can't. Sometimes even like three times or seven times I was told. But you see, this part is never really been taught or at least talked about. Ah, here comes the culture. In our Asian culture, oh, disrupt monk, he's no more monk, you know? All of that, the people try to avoid. Then, secretly, they disrobe. Instead of offering the vow, they disrobe. Then they can never retake. Mm. So, actually, good that you ask. Yes, you can. Vajrayana vow, you can give up. Bodhisattva vow, you can give up. There's a famous story about how Dingnaka, who was writing that, uh, what is it? Um, Buddhist logic, and he keep on, you know, encountering this uh, guy who annoys him and who basically, you know, he couldn't tame this guy. So he thought, okay, if I can't tame one person, you know, how can I tame all sentient beings? So he said he threw the chalk that he was using to write the pramana. And and then he said, okay, when the chalk hit on the ground, that's it, my Bodhisattva vow, I'm offering back. That's what he did. Dingnaga, this is. Very big figure. And then the chalk, supposedly chalk never landed. And then he thought, what happened? And when he looked up, there's a Manjushiri who caught the chalk and said, no, you can't do that. So on and so forth. So there is a ritual. You know, we need to remember Buddha's path, Sugata, path of the blissfully gone. There is always. But there's something a little bit tricky in this. Yeah. Because um, 
say somebody is serious enough about their practice that they want to give up their vow in the right way. But in order to access that information, they might not have the author uh, authorization to go and read the Guyagarbha, for example. Or, you know, this is the first time that I'm hearing about any kind of procedure, and I still wouldn't know yeah. where to find it. Yeah, so, I have a sympathy with this. A lot of information is... You see, this is the thing. The Tantra is never really studied. Information on the Tantra is never really given properly. But my argument, but so is everything about our life. Except a few small things. How much do you know about your iPhone? Most of the time we don't know what the iPhone can do. It's a bit like that, isn't it? We get always carried away by a certain emotion. And you can also, you know, restore. There's so much restoration, fulfillment, mending. Tantra actually is really rich with that. In fact, there is even a, yeah, I forgot the example. They said that if you are a practicing Shadvakayana, and if you break the Shadvakayana vow, it's a bit like breaking a clay pot. You can, you know, you can't really manage. But if you are, if you have broken the Bodhisattva vow and also the Vajrayana vow, it's like denting a golden pot with the right attitude, right Smith, you can make it even more beautiful. So there's a lot of that. Where is your question coming from? It sounds like I'm hearing that there's only one chance. Is that what you are talking about? Mm, no, it's more like just thinking about so many people having a really hard time with all of this scandal. Yeah and news, and just yeah. sick and tired of it, and then just feeling just, stuck. Yeah. If you are talking about, yeah. um, like, a non, non, you know, Vajrayana, traditionally non-Vajrayana world, if, if that's what you are talking about, you are being impatient. How many years has it been? 200 years? With you guys, Tantra? Less than that. Exactly. It took thousand years. You know, this is good. I hope these guys will make more of movies like this so that we have more chance to talk these things. It's really good. My only complaint is that there are lamas who actually condemned this individual. And they did not, uh, you know, what is it, quote that. That I thought, from the journalistic point of view, that's not right. But I guess all journalism is like this. I am now beginning to realize. You know, you should say from both sides, right? Then, Rupeshe, if, you know, going down this path, and like you said, these conversations are good, um, what should the practitioners do if they discover they're going to be in a situation like this? If they find themselves seeing, you know, 
physical abuse, if they find themselves seeing, you know, if they find themselves being the recipient of a sexual abuse, okay, today, where do they go? Today you meet somebody like mm -hmm. you realize that this man is really not right for you. Mm -hmm. This man is not going to. The main thing is this: this man cannot assist you, assist you to reach to liberation. In fact, this man is going to create more pleasure, more emotion in you. You understand? Yes. You should really go far from this person. I would suggest gracefully, you know, it's a nice thing to do. But, you know, if you want to do it dramatically, why not? Do, do we have a responsibility to, to the other students, to the people that we see being recipients of physical or sexual abuse to say, you know, we want to help pull you out of these situations? Yes, that's a good question. This is where I also will uh, uh, ask, I will question some of these conferences, some of these conversations. You see, this is what I was telling you earlier. It make they make it sound like all Tinguchen Rinpoche, all Dujum Rinpoche, all these Lama students, they all abuse children. It's not like that. In fact, I would say majority of them are good, really good, really good practitioners. As far as bad apple, right? That's the expression, bad apple, that existed. From the time of the Buddha. Hello, we are in the world called Earth. It's going to be like this. If everything from the day that somebody entered into Buddhist world, if they become perfect, what's all this practice for? Practice. The very sound of practice means there's a struggle. There is a lot of, you know, like, Two steps forward, one step backwards, sometimes ten steps backwards. There's a I mean, if we are then looking for some kind of authentic master, and um, well, it's like then how can we gauge if their behavior, which might be unconventional, is coming from a wisdom mind or is actually just coming from an egotistical place and if if people's perspectives can vary so widely on that how okay. can we actually i will judge tell it? you i i will tell you from the by the book okay let's say let's say you follow something by the book and you have all the time in the world let's say you you have you are not a buddhist before you are searching for the so-called the truth. You go everywhere. You go to different religion. And then you go to one teacher who says, you know, life is impermanent. Nothing is 100% satisfactory. You know, anicca, dukkha, anatta, all that. Oh, that's nice. Now, this is something I can do. Then you get inspired. You do the breathing in and out. You sit, you do shamatha, you do vipassana. You may, and then, you know, your, your courage even become more. Then you shave your hair or whatever. You know, you beg arms and you be a monk or nun, etc. 
Then your courage even becomes, I don't want to do this just for myself. I want to do it for others. I want to actually work for others. I want to actually make people realize this truth. For that, let's say, one day you say, okay, here, you have a chance. You can actually make one person understand the truth. But for that, you need to do some lying. You might negotiate yourself. Okay, lying. I, I will manage to make this person understand the truth, which through which he will be liberated from all this delusion. Me lying, okay, maybe I'll get a reputation as being a liar. Why would I care? Ah, you're becoming a Mahayana person. So see, that's what I'm saying. So you upgrade. Then one day you wake up. Hey, wait a minute. My emotion, where does that come from? What is my emotion? So on and so forth. Then you look deeper and deeper. So then you realize your emotion is just a manifestation of your wisdom mind. Ha! Huh, I can use this. So once you reach to that level, then I think you will have no qualms of jumping right into somebody who looks really like a gangster. But you know, he or she can actually deliver what you want. You will have no problem. So what I'm just saying is basically is by the book an ideal situation. But most of the time it's not like this. Most of the time you will be going to Byron Bay coffee shop and there's an impressive poster. Tantric this, tantric that, and that's how you end up. Well, that's what human beings do. So only to that only thing I can say is just be cautious, be mindful, and that's with everything. Never take things at face value. In fact, more established, more what you call it to organize. You have to actually develop a certain attitude. Mm -mm. Wait a minute. You know, they're very established. You know, they may be very good at lying. You know, that's what you should be thinking. In, in this case, then, like you said, so let's say I have a friend, he sees a poster in the coffee shop and he's like, oh, yeah, I want to go to that. You know, and I know probably, or I assume probably, that's not such a good idea. Right? How do I skillfully handle that situation as a practitioner? You know? That's it. That's it. You see, this is one of the big problems. So that's why I was talking about how that documentary, a lot of the people who actually went to his solemnness, and but you know, like they were, you know, Tom, very naive. Yes, this friend of yours was so excited, mm. was so depressed for twelve years. <laughs> Suddenly, he goes to this coffee shop. He finds that this, you know, dodgy. You know, advertisement with a very dodgy person. And finally, you know, he has a little bit of brightness in his eyes. Oh, you know, this is, what do you do? Yes, because you also love him. You love this person, right? 
That's why there's a negotiation. Who just, oh, no, 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 don't go there and kill all his, after 12 years of depression and feeling dim, finally, you know, would you do that? Or would you say, okay, yeah, yeah, go. And maybe you should let him go once, twice, three times. And then he's more and more excited. And then maybe, I don't know, skillfully you can sort of insert some, you know, maybe there's another one better. So that's how we have to do things. But then what if they've, by that point, already taken these heavy samayas and, you know, then they're being told about pure perception to a guru and they're just already kind of swept away. You know, this happened a lot. In, in my eyes, I have seen people doing it. It's really hard, really, really hard. And especially a person in my situation, because I, fortunately or unfortunately, I have a label of a Jambuchi teacher. And me saying, no, don't go to that guru. Imagine. All kinds of interpretation from this person. Oh, he's just jealous of this person. He's being possessive of me. No one thinks, oh, you know, he's... Very few people think of which is really, really, you know, like kind and really, really, you know, trying to really think about me. It's typical. Welcome to the human world. It's really, really difficult. So it's somewhat related to how people get stuck in things that maybe they want to leave, but they feel like they can't. What what is Vajra Hell? Can you very clearly explain what it is? I can try to explain clearly, but I think it's going to be a really boring subject for a lot of people. Mm. Anyway, this much I can tell you. If the people think that Vajra Hell is like seven times more hot, seven times more cold, Seven times, there's a seven times layers of gates and seven times sharper fangs of the, you know, hell guardian. They're wrong. I hope the listeners will get this. You know, one version of Vajra hell is reasoning. That is how profound Tantra is. If you fall into this casket of reasoning, you are forever doomed. That is so compassionate, don't you think? What an amazing compassion. Reasoning and rationalism. That's it. Yeah, you could be sitting on a sofa of the most softiest quality. <laughs> you could be sitting the most expensive mojito, all of that. Okay? From that level. But you are a victim of rationalism and reasoning. Because reasoning, sensibility, rationalism, Reasoning, oh my God. 
they are the most vicious net. You, you know, you will convince yourself, you see. You know, basically, you become, what is it called, megalomaniac? Megalomaniac. You become the utmost vain. Do you really want that? Yeah, then you are not for Tantra. In fact, I personally have heard from certain country practitioners that they would rather go to, you know, burning hot hell. You know, you know, usually this Krishna, they would rather go to that hell and burn out their karma, blah, 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 than get comfortable with this world of rationalism. This is how Tantra is so Jeez, I'm telling you, Tantra is so special. So this is the thing. So there's a part of us where I really want to share this to people. Right? Because it's such a beautiful wisdom. But in order to share, we don't want to just share it just like in the school situation. It's this, 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 this. It's just information. Tantri Guru is not an informant. Informant? The those who does the information. Yeah, informant. Informant? Yeah. Tantri Guru is not an informant. They have to create the situation. Right? Informant, you don't need Tantri Guru. Just Google it. It's almost all there now. Or even better, chat, chat GPT. I actually asked Chat GPT to write a prayer to Long Chenpa. It did a really good job. I don't know how it did, but it did a good job. So, like myself, I really, I, you know, this is a really a confession. I'm not a proper tantric teacher, not at all, not even near, but I have understood. The tantric taste a little bit because of my teachers. Right? So now, so let's say I'm like the guy who sees incredible, majestic, amazing part of the Mount Everest. And I'm 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 in England now. And I look at people who are just you know, putting so much emphasizing emphasis on climbing English rolling hills. And since they are so into like puffing and puffing, I feel like telling them, you know, like, hey, you know, there's something else. But, you know, I have to, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I, I have to take the risk so much. I have to take my own risk. Of, for my own safety, and also I'm also I have to play the risk for for the other person. He could fall, right? Mount Everest is very steep, and then if he or she thinks, "Oh, Mount Everest is terrible," and then he goes back home and tell all the fellow 
you know, English, uh, you know, rolling hill climbers, you know, Mount Everest, don't even go there. What a pity. But at the risk of sounding that I'm in Vajra hell and stuck with the rationality, Rinpoche, I, I wanted to address the, the issue, I think, that also pairs up with what you were talking about with these posters in coffee shops, right? So many, there's so many lamas, so many, you know, so-called Rinpoche, so many gurus around nowadays, and it's almost impossible to tell who is still ordained and who is not. Everyone, who is still ordained and who is not. Everyone kind of looks like they dress like a monk, but you can't really tell what okay. any of this means. That's, I think in Asia, that's like a huge one. Well, it's a, in general, right? Because you're just confused, right? Westerners like, don't really care as much. Well, no, I, I think of the, yeah. you know, I think of this, this quote that I heard from uh, Jason Tenzin Pamela, where she was talking about the first time she met Trungpa Rinpoche. He was wearing some robes and hitting on her. And had he known he had a kid, she'd been like, yeah, I'd do it. Right. But he's like, oh, no, I don't want to be the reason for, you know, him to stay in his robes or whatever. Right. So it, it's are you talking that. about generally about the Tibetan lamas? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Tibetan lamas. They have never been that good. Okay. Especially, I would say, I will openly say with the Nyingma. Yes. And um, Kaugit maybe a little bit. Yeah. They have not been good. I will, you know, I'm sure that they are going to attack me on this. They have not been good. There's a lot of cultural reason for that. You see, culture is always the culprit and the, what's the opposite of culprit? Savior. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Culture is always the savior and the culprit. It's always the big problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are a lot of Tibetan school, you know, Tibetan other lineages who actually even make big, <clears throat> what do you call it? Remark about Guru Rinpoche wearing some of this robe. Yeah. You know? I think if you are going to make comments based on the robe, I think then the, if you are valuing robe with a reference of like Burmese, mm -hmm. Sri Lankans, mm -hmm. events are going to fail. Mm, okay. Yeah. Trope is actually nothing. Mm. Other things. Those Burmese, I mean, I, even Bar Myanmar now is yeah. declining, but, you know, many of them, you know, like, I don't know now, yeah. 25 years ago when I went there, you know, many of them have no house. They have just a big umbrella mm -hmm. and a mosquito net. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So, Oh, yeah, and then not just the robes, labrams. Oh gosh, that is the household, basically. Forget that. I'll be very honest to you. Could even engage with the political, you know, status. That is like no, no, no. If you are bringing the, you know, Sharvakayana level of Buddhism as a reaction? Absolutely not. But then, when you bring the Mahayana, then things get really more complicated. I think we just have to be aware mm. which reference are you using. Mm. But it's going to be, it's not going to be that clear, I'm afraid. Mm. But I think that is a bit smaller issue. But um, 
Tantric Guru is big. That's important. And what we are doing is necessary. There was one question I wanted to ask, Ramesha, from the, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about the physical and the sexual abuse side of things. Uh, I wanted to veer a little bit now and talk about the financial side. You know, it seems that, you know, money and cash is a huge thing. You know, they're buying land for new monasteries, always some new project, some mm -hmm. new stupa, some new statue that needs to be built, mm -hmm. right? And there's so little transparency. There's so little information, right? It just seems very, very, very difficult for the average person, even the even a seasoned practitioner, to kind of understand mm -hmm. what's going on with this money. And you mentioned Labrangs yourself, right? Mm -hmm. It's just kind of a maze, and we're just told, you know, this is how it works. Don't you think that something needs to be changed? Something needs to come. Definitely, a lot of reason. Something definitely, especially on things like <clears throat> transparency. Oh yeah, financial nepotism. Oh gosh, I told you just now. Culture is a savior of Buddhism, especially in the traditional. Buddhist societies like Himalayas, but their culture is also the culprit. Yes. Who is responsible then, Rinpoche, for helping bring about this change? Is this on the students? Is this on the lamas? You know, when, when now that it's coming out and it's spreading to so much more places? Equally, it's the responsibility equally to the sponsors also. I have actually grumbled a lot towards sponsors for being very <clears throat> not mindful. Many times, I mean, I myself faces lots of difficulties because so-and-so sponsors end up, you know, sponsoring or giving gifts to some monks who we invest so much time and energy, you know, making them kind of, you know, what the monks should be doing, but then, you know, just one smartphone will do it. But then, you know, these things are technical, right? Because <clears throat> I think also there's a lot of, yeah, arrival of things like social media. Wow. You know, even when I was in my late 20s, <clears throat> disciplinarian in the monasteries, they actually have a severe punishment to monks for watching video. Severe punishment. Now, each and every monk travel with a movie inside their pocket. Time has changed. Now, what do we do? Should we ban the movie, uh, but a smartphone? Our monks will end up becoming an idiot. They will not know how to function in the world. Everything. So these are things that the lamas have to adopt. Of course. At the end, I think if we teach the Dharma properly to the monks, to the lamas, to the temples, and if they really teach them, that they should take the responsibility. I mean, forget about the transparency. You know, when we talk about the transparency and all of that accountability, we are talking on the human level. They are Dharma practitioners. 
they should be really caring about the karmic consequences. That need to be taught. And I have to say, as much as there's all this kind of really materially corrupted monks, there's also quite a lot still, at least in the Himalayas, many, many practitioners and monks, they're really, really good also. You know, they may not be good at accounting, they may not be, you know, like good at the so-called, you know, <clears throat> what do you call it, like corporate, corporate way of transparency, but actually it's almost because they care so much about the karmic debt, karmic consequences, then they may be actually extremely not wanting to be, <clears throat> you know, like, like Allah Zankar for instance, who would only buy things from the thrift shop, you know. So there's a lot of people like that still hovering around because they know that Dharma has gone inside their head and the heart. That's the best way, actually. Even by learning the transparency and all of that, I don't know how much that can actually cut down our corruption. Because, you know, learning a system is almost like learning how to get out of this system, isn't it? Mm. So this is just a question that keeps on coming up because um, nothing seems to change, which is the really deep, um, enduring gender inequality that we see in really all forms of Buddhism, but um, seems to be very prominent in Tibetan Buddhism. And, you know, we have heard the answer before that this is culture and, you know, we're humans. But so then what, what can be done to change it? Talk about it just as what you are talking, you know? And um, I know a lot of Tibetans will get really mad at me for me saying this. Before 1959, and now, after 1959, now, Tibetan Buddhism in Tibet, before 1959, there's almost no nuns writing commentary on Buddhist texts. Now there's a several. So sometimes, you know, we never know where the help comes from, right? It's quite amazing. Sometimes, you know, the situation, you know, <clears throat> situation just transforms. It's quite amazing to realize this. So it is it's nice to hear that there's some small improvements being made every, oh mm. regarding the gender thing mm. actually i would blame also the tibetan society if almost more than the lamas especially the <clears throat> younger generation lamas i think the younger generation lamas can can actually appreciate that something is not right. But the Tibetan society is the vicious, 
our society. Oh my goodness. Just the other day, not just the Tibetans, actually Himalayans, in Bhutan, I have a small, you know, friends, they wanted to throw a party and they played. I, I didn't even ask them. And there's this techno music that has my voice chanting seven line prayer, which by the way, I didn't make it. Some one of my friends who made it and who sort of played a little bit here and there. You know, there's so many of this kind of music, dharma music hovering around this day. You know. <laughs> anyway, there's this tech dancey music with a seven line prayer. And they played it. And they danced. And you should look at some of the comments from the Bhutanese. They are not even from, I don't think they are from the Lamas. The ordinary Bhutanese. How do you think it's like sacrilegious sign of the degeneration of the Dharma? Anyone who plays this music will go straight to the hell, so on and so forth. The Himalayan society <clears throat> are very strange. On one hand, they tell us about how, you know, <clears throat> Himalayan society is changing with all the Christian conversion, materialism, all of that. But when we try to make it a little bit more adaptable to the young people, they themselves complain like this also. You know, culture is so strong. Culture is so strong. I mean, a few years ago when I was in Taiwan, this is this Taiwanese abbot. Somehow I bumped into him and we talked about how to really reach to the, you know, people. Buddhism is becoming very archaic, very traditional, very moralistic. Young people are not interested. So he was telling me, what do you think Abhi should do? And it's at that time, that year, Taiwan was just introducing the gay right and gay marriage. And there was a lot of posters and that rainbow flag and all that. So I was telling about I was so excited. I said, you know, this is something we could do. Send 100 mouths, each carrying this flag. We don't have to say anything for or against. Just that gesture alone. Of course, it's not going to happen. I think there is the wish, but the culture is many times the the Buddhist, Buddhist societies, they are themselves their own enemy, are strong. It's so intertwined. And it's so frustrating because I would say, actually, Buddhism is probably the most avant-garde, most progressive thinking. And it has now, we have made it <laughs> the most archaic, most old-fashioned. So is there any hope for things to get better or we just to just dig in and get ready for things to 
just be working. Well, it will change. It will change. It will, it's evolving. We are talking like this. But my only concern is, do we have time? I don't think we have time. Buddhists don't reform. I mean, first of all, the view, Buddhist fundamental view, we don't need to reform. That's already intact, very beautiful, very correct. Things that we do, reforming, Buddhists are not good with speed when it comes to this, because we are so attached to I mean, how many temples are being built, new ones? You can't really blame the Tibetans, you know. Tibetans are really, basically, they are very old-fashioned. But how about the Chinese? Even Chinese, they should be a little bit avant-garde. They should be really thinking ahead. They are, you know, they are almost equally bad. They're so traditional, you know, the, you know. Actually, I remember once again in Taiwan, quite a, you know, big patron of the, you know, Buddhism. They wanted to build a big temple or a stupa or something. You know, I'm so opinionated, you know, my, I can never shut my mouth up. So I was so excited and said, please, I have a suggestion. Would you, if you can do this? So, why don't you build a big storm of Buddha's robe? Wherever the Buddha's body, you don't see, and it's empty, hollow, just a robe hanging. And underneath, you have this line from the Vajrayatika Sutra where it says, Those who see me as a form, they have a wrong view. Of course, that's not going to happen. Yeah. We don't move forward. Same thing with the Theravada, I realized. So into a certain... Because I think Buddhism and the culture got so intertwined. Western Buddhists, they are even worse. So traditional. So traditional. And that actually tradition is almost like regurgitated tradition. Yeah, but this happened. What to do? So, Ramesha, you've been you've been spending a large part talking about culture here as both the culprit and the savior, right? So, how much of culture can we get rid of in this Buddhist context without breaking what fundamentally makes Buddhism so exciting and works? We can, a lot, and I think people are doing it, but as I said, how much time do we have? We don't have much time. Buddhism is, I think, one of the fastest declining religion in the world. It's declining very fast. Some other religions are actually growing very fast. Hmm? Is there anything encouraging to say? <laughs> if people are watching this and they do want to do something, they want to help, they want to, you know, not just slow the decline, but maybe even turn it around. Is there.
people should talk about it and people should be open-minded. People should really think objectively. People should think from the big picture. And if people, enough people do that, I think there's always a hope. Because what we don't have, the Buddhists have, that I think, you know, I'm a, such a, you know, much of a diehard Buddhist, I guess, doesn't mean it's good. What we have is the view of Buddha Dharma, Anicca Dukkha Anatta. That's unshakable. If people put some effort in that, you cannot dismantle that. And knowing that is the key to their temporary happiness and the liberation. Are you finished? Yeah, I, I think you know that was a very nice, hopeful note to end it on, Dhanrupa Thank you so much for your time again. <laughs>